I want you to go back with me a long ways. It's like 520 B.C. I don't think too many of you were alive then. You may feel like it sometimes. 520 B.C. Zechariah, Zechariah is a young man. Thank you. He is like either a teenager or early 20s, and he's living in Babylon, and, and he's a Jew. And these are, right now, it's the end of the 70-year captivity. We hear a lot about when they went into captivity, like Jeremiah the prophet and all that stuff, and when they went in at the beginning of the 70 years. But Zechariah is right after it's over. For some of us today, we've been going through some things, but it's over. And aren't you thankful it didn't last 70 years? <laughs> some of you can't make it seven days. 70 years, it's 520. But now when the book of Zechariah is, is, is written, when it's written, though, mm-hmm. It is like 18 years later. It's like 538 B.C. And, or five, no, it's five, no, the numbers go different. It was 538 then. It's 520 now. It's 18 years difference. Are you following me? B.C., the numbers get smaller. Okay. Um, so it's been 18 years, and uh, not everyone has returned from Babylon. But uh, a remnant, say a remnant, it's always, you know, listen, every move of God is preceded by a remnant. It's not like the whole church just comes out. Believe me, a whole lot of things happen behind the scenes in prayer and fasting and warfare and all kinds of things happen behind the scenes, and most people don't even know what's going on. And, but a remnant returns first. But it's but they've been there eighteen years. He he and and you know he's he's uh, Zechariah's in his mid thirties now, and he's in leadership. And but the thing is, they were sent back to rebuild the temple, but they're not making a whole lot of progress. Did you, you ever get that place in your life where you just don't feel like you're making a whole lot of progress? Spinning your wheels, and you you think to yourself, you know, I'm I'm X years now. I'm I'm I'm. 40 years old, and, and I, I just haven't got to where I need to go, and I'm having a midlife crisis. Some of you are 60 and still having midlife crisis, and you're not going to live to 120. I'm just going to tell you that. You're, you're beyond midlife. Oh, my God. They were supposed to rebuild the temple. Still struggling. It's still not done. And people are getting discouraged. They're wore out. A couple of weeks ago, we were praying, and was, David spoke over me, and he says, I hear the Lord saying, building project. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> I am not going back into debt. Oh, glory. Come on, someone help me with an amen. Instead of preaching, I'd be up here begging for pledges. Amen. No, 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 no. I, I just rebuked that. Now, I didn't say anything out loud. You know, I didn't want to 
disturb the man of God, you know. <laughs> but then, so I just didn't say anything, but later that day, the whole thing came together. And then, and then we began to receive confirmation, and the Lord began to speak that what he's doing is he's rebuilding us. See, three hand claps, a couple yeses. Because change is always scary. And when I say things like, you won't recognize this church 12 months from now, y'all like, well, I, I just hope I still got my seat. Just don't move my seat. I'll be okay, preacher. <laughs> just don't take my position, you know, because I'm territorial. Yet I'm glad we don't deal with a lot of that mess. But we just, God's saying, I'm rebuilding something. And, and, and as we heard a word this morning, we're in kind of a purification stage because you have to make sure the foundations are rock solid, pure, without added ingredients that only bring weakness to the... Am I preaching too deep? Are you okay? Am I okay out there? Come on. If, if I'm too deep, just wave a hanky at me and I'll try to explain it to you. We are in a building project, and here's, here's something the Lord's also showing me. He's not just rebuilding the church. He's rebuilding families. Your family may not look the same a year from now. But, old preacher, does that mean another kid? I, I don't know. I don't know. Some of you got twenty. Some of you, some of you got twenty grandkids now. You know, I can't hardly remember their names now. Don't give me another one. <laughs> I only got two, so I'm doing good. Amen. Wow. No, not not necessarily new kids, additions, adoptions. I don't. It's not necessarily that. But but uh, marriages will change. Things will change. God's rebuilding things. He's going to establish a house of prayer in your home. God told us that's the vision. He's te- he said, I'm changing you from just being a, a house of worship. Because worship, listen, going, I've been here 36 years, going all the way back to the old Roseland Church. Uh, worship has always been the strong point of our church. Amen. We've had times where the music was horrible. And times when it's been good. But the worship's always been strong. Amen. I appreciate people who can sing through bad music. Amen. <laughs> but it's been good. It's been good. It's been good for years now. God, God's been blessing. But he's going to move us from a house of just worship to a house of prayer. Not everyone's comfortable with that. No, not everyone understands that. I'll tell you the truth, I don't even know what it's going to look like a year from now. It's not like I have some clear vision and I say, all right, one, this is what we need to do to get from A to B. I have no idea. Your pastor is clueless. I don't know. I don't know. I just know from week to week to day to day, whatever thus saith the Lord, I'm good with that. Can you give God praise if you're good with that? But just like Zechariah, sometimes we feel like we're stuck. We know we're supposed to build the temple, which is a house of prayer. Didn't Jesus say this is supposed to be a house of prayer, not a place for merchandising people? 
There's a lot there that I don't have time for. But how, here's the question, how do we start again? How do we finally get that thing built? How do we, and I'm not, right now I'm not just talking about our church because if you're not in leadership, there's not maybe, you know, you're praying for us, you're willing to do whatever it takes. I understand that's fantastic. But listen, I'm talking about you personally. How do you start again? How, how do you get your building project finished? Anybody interested? Anybody interested? All right, come back next Sunday and we'll. How do we start again? Zechariah, we start by repenting. <laughs> you can't change direction unless you repent of the direction you've been going. I, I, I'll wait on an amen. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius. So we know exactly when that is because Darius is a real man. I mean, we know, of course, we know all the biblical characters, but in history we know who Darius is, the king of Persia there, the Babylonians. And the word of the, word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of uh, Berechiah, the son of Ido. How would you like to be a name? How would you, name, how would you like it if your name was Ido? <laughs> Ido the prophet saying, the Lord has been very angry with your grandparents. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts. By the way, why was he angry? They were in captivity for 70 years. Hey, by the way, can I throw this in? There's a scripture that says that gives one of the reasons they were in captivity. We always think it's because they were disobedient. That's true. But do you know what the specific reason was according to the scriptures? They didn't keep the Sabbath. They didn't keep jubilees. They didn't keep the seven year. Remember every seven years, right? It's a year of release every seven years. And they didn't do that seven times. And it's it was like 490 years. Anyway, it came out to they had they had because for every seventh year you're supposed to let the land rest, and they didn't let the land rest. 70 times, 70 times 7, which is 490 years. So he said, You're gonna, I'm going to throw you off the land for 70 years because the land is going to get its rest. Wow. Now, if God cares that much about dirt, how much does he care about you? It's time we take seriously about being in God's house. Having a, even if you can't be here, church, make sure you have a Sabbath every week. Come on, somebody help me in here. Some of you need to talk to your bosses and just say, let my people go. <laughs> okay, let me get back to the word before I get lost. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Wow. And, wow, cause you. You don't have to get back. I'll make it happen. I'll make a breakthrough. I'll make something happen to where you'll get to where you'll finish that building project in your life, in your home. And cause you to return to this place. How many know God has a 
place for us. God has a place for us. Say amen. Wow, hallelujah. Glory to God. God is God is good. So we need to repent. We need to turn. You know, we talk about being born again, right? And Jesus meant that literally. There's a spiritual process going on where you're literally being born again. It's like you, you have new blood, new DNA. I know it's in a spiritual sense. But listen, listen, here's something about repentance I never, I never really thought that much about. Because when we talk about a baby being born, all we think about is, oh, she's so cute, he's so cute, even if it's the ugliest baby you ever saw. Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. And, oh, there's such joy. And there is. I mean, it is birth, birth and babies, all about joy. But, ladies, help me here. Isn't it also about blood, sweat, and tears? And I don't mean the music group. Oh, Jesus. A lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears. And repentance will cost you something. See, it's hard to get amens, but. It's true. Listen, even Jeremiah understood 70 years before that what happened coming up. He, listen to Jeremiah in chapter 20. I've got to hurry up. Chapter 29, verse 10. Uh, he, says, he says, listen to this. Listen to the story here. He says, thus says the Lord, after what? 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you. There is a time God will visit. Even in the hardest of times. He said, I have an appointed visitation for you. I will visit and perform my good word. I'll do it. I'll do it. Toward you and cause you to return to, there it is again, this place. God has a place for you. For And this is a scripture we quote a million times and don't realize that Jeremiah is talking about Babylon in the 70 years. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a, and a, wow, wow. Then, say then, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Oh, glory to God. And you will seek me, and you'll find me. You'll search for me with all of your heart. Hallelujah. And I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I'll bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you. Notice he's the one that put you where you're at. You may not like where you're at, but he put you where you're at. Fist bump somebody and say, he put me here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I will bring you to the place. Oh, there's that word again. I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. I'll do it. I'll bring you back to your place. It, church, it is time to build. It's time to build. It's going to look different a year from now. It's going to be amazing. Come on now. I'm putting myself on the line. I'm telling you it's going to be different a year from now. I mean, the whole thing might turn upside down next week. I don't know. But when we finally get out of Babylon, we're building a temple. 
That means we're building a place to worship. We're building a place to pray. We're building a place to meet with God. We're building a place, amen, where he said, I'll meet with you and you with me, and you'll pray and I'll answer you and bring you back to the place. There was another prophet during this same time who prophesied, and that was Haggai. Old Haggai, right? Let's go to that scripture real quick. And he's talking there in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. It's really easy to remember his name, just say, hey, guy. It's amazing the things i got to do to get the word into you. Amen. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Right? Right. This, peop- this people says. I mean, you know, sometimes we're this people. This people says, the time has not come. Uh-huh. I don't know who you are. But there's always about 10%. They call them late adopters. They wait till everything's settled, everything's done, everything's confirmed. Then they act like they were along with us the whole time. But they wait for something to go wrong so they can say, This people says the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came. Sometimes the word comes when grumbling. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying. Who, Who wants to know what the Lord says? Who wants to know? It is time. Is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, your beautiful homes, and this temple lie in ruins? They came back from captivity. They all built their houses. They've got beautiful places to live. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. Oh, hey, guy, preach. You have sown much, but you bring in little. Hello? You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. You're making enough money, but you're never making ends meet. You just got a raise, but you don't know where the money went. I want to ask your wife. I mean, I'm just... Not true in my case. Glory, glory faithfully gives me an allowance. I'm good. And it's plenty. It's plenty. There's always plastic. Hey, hey, hey. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Oh, my gosh, he said it twice. Go up to the mountains. And bring wood and build the temple. Wow. Notice it says go up into the mountains. Mountains are always representative of high places. And, and, oh, God always seems to meet with us on mountains. He said that I may take pleasure in it and be glorious. Listen, building something for God is not about you. It's not about your reputation. It's about bringing glory to God. 
if this church will continue to grow and prosper in God, but it'll bring glory to God. My name's not anywhere on this building, thank God. When I'm dead and gone, please don't erect some monument to me. God. But, but I know you won't. In fact, when I'm gone, the only time my name will come up is when you're fussing at the next pastor. Well, that's not the way Brother Philippi did it. <laughs> you're laughing because it's truth. All right, go. You Listen, you looked for much. You have great expectations, but indeed it came to little. And and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Oh, I love this. Why, says the Lord of hosts, why? Because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Why does God get the scraps all the time? The scraps of, you know, we don't, a lot of people don't even tithe anymore. They just, well, what have I got left? I'll just buy everything I want to buy and pay everything I want to pay. And then if I got anything left, I'll give God. And we only give God what time we have left. I'm going to do everything I want to do. And then if I have any time left, I'll give it to God. Oh, my God. We, we, we wear ourselves out, use our talents to make money and whatever else we do. And then we have no time or talent left, no energy left for God. You can stand there and look at me like a, like a, like a mule at a new gate. But I... I I'm preaching. I blew it away, says the Lord, because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. In other words, you put your concerns, your house, ahead of God's house. Oh, this is not a popular message, but I am going to preach it. We must start dealing with distractions and focus on building what God wants in our church and what God wants in our homes. Come on. Zechariah, I, one of the, we may have to preach a whole series on Zechariah. No, no one ever does that. Zechariah has eight visions in one night. Kind of reminds me of Scrooge with the three ghosts visiting him, you know. <laughs> Christmas past and present and future. But this is eight. There's eight ghosts that, that visit Zechariah, and he has eight visions in one night. And I guess after the fourth vision, he, wore, he wore, God wore him out and he fell asleep. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he, God says this. Now, the angel who talked with me came back and woke me up as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. Can I say we need a wake-up call? Wow. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand. You know, you know what a lampstand I should have pulled one over there. There's one right, there's two of them right over there. I said, I'm looking, and there's a lampstand of solid gold. Watch this. And there's a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. You got the picture. You see this big bowl full of oil, and there's seven, seven pipes coming out of it, going to seven candlesticks, and that oil is feeding the, 
these seven lamps. You got me? And they're, they're, in other words, there's a constant flow of the anointing lighting these seven candles. They could be the seven spirits of God. Whatever God is saying to us. So how will this happen? And what's the plan? And we've been talking about this for weeks and trying to figure out what, what God's doing. And like I already said, we're, we're moving towards this thing, whatever it looks like, a, a house of prayer. And God's raising up prayer meetings. And I'm not even doing it. People just come to me. I want to start a prayer meeting. And, there's, and I said, well, okay, okay, go ahead and start it. You might be the only one there. Are you okay with that? Yes. Whatever it takes. Can you say whatever it takes? It's wit, W-I-T, whatever it takes. What's the plan? How will this happen? It'll happen by keeping that bowl full of oil. I got to hurry up. So, secondly, we need a vision. I, I've been talking quite a bit lately, if you're here on Wednesday night and so forth, talking about Noah's Ark at three levels, right? And the bottom level had a door. That's the fellowship level. And that's where people come into the church through small groups and through worship. And they come in through that door. And the second level is the leadership level. And that's where all the resources are to bless the lower level. Amen. And then the upper level, wow. Not many people are in the upper level, and the only window in the ark is in that third deck. A window means vision. And that third deck is headship, and that's where the vision is. God will, not, not that I'm the only one that can have vision, but I hear from the church. I, you know, sometimes a nine-year-old can correct you. I'm open to anything. I, I want to hear what God's saying, but ultimately the vision is the responsibility of headship. Amen. I, I, oh. I just don't believe God runs churches by committees. He doesn't run by dictators either. But God runs it with a man who is what God calls the set man. Thank God for that. How many know we don't follow people because they're perfect? We wouldn't have a church left. I mean, I'm as perfect as a man can get, but, but. Good night. Drop the mic. <laughs> Say, help him, Jesus. We don't follow people because they're perfect. The more you get to know me, the less you'll like me. By the way, that's true about you. I have to be careful who I let. I don't let just anybody in my tent. Because sometimes, like Moses, I might be drunk in my tent. I mean, how many have your moments where you let your hair down and everyone goes, ah! How many of you want us to see you when you get up in the morning? Anybody? There, there are, that's why we don't let just anybody in the tent. Listen, who do you let in the tent, Pastor? I only let people in the tent who can stand me. Who won't leave me, who won't punish me, who won't reject me, who won't judge me, but say, man, you do look bad, Pastor, but I'm going to stay here with you. As perfect as I am. Okay, moving on. So are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? We 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 get to that place. We need a vision. Number number three, we need to understand that it it'll happen because we, we, we the word, we, well. When the 
I don't even understand what that means. And I wrote it. We Anyway, we need, there you go, we need the word fueled by the oil of the Spirit. I can preach the word, but without the anointing, is it really his word? Oh, my. We need that. Listen, can you just imagine a huge tank right above our church full of oil and those seven pipes coming down? just fueling all the ministry of the church, fueling your home, fueling what God's called you to do. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. You aren't very visual. You You need this. You need this. It will be done by his anointing. The anointing breaks the bonds, breaks the barriers, breaks the chains. Zechariah goes on in verse 5, and he says this. This is another one of those scriptures that we hear and hear and hear, don't realize the context. We don't even know what book of the Bible it's in, but you're going to recognize it here in just a minute. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? Do you not know what this vision is of the lampstand and the and the bowl? And he said, No, my Lord, I, I, I don't understand. So the angel answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who's the governor of of, of Judah at that time, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not going to be done in the natural. You know, it's fun. I think this is funny. Every time a preacher preaches that, he always yells it. It's not by might, not by power. You know, it's like, well, then why are you yelling? I love messing with preachers. <laughs> Listen, I don't have to scream for the word of God to be put forth. Amen. I do get excited, and I do get motivated up here. But I'm telling you, that's not about the volume. It's about the anointing. And then we love to sing that song. Next, right? Who are you, O oh great mountain? Someone needs to stand and say, Who are you, great mountain? Who are you, depression? Who are you, obstacle? Who are you, uh, uh, financial difficulty? Who are you, lying spirit? Who are you to come against me? Come on. What is a mountain? A mountain is a high place. Amen. It's not, listen, God, God's not the only one who put his temple on a mountain. All the demons like to put their things on high places where we feel like we're surrounded. Amen. He said, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plain. I'm going to, God's, oh, I feel the Lord. He's going to start flattening some things, some obstacles in our lives, some insurmountable situations, some things that know, that everyone else said, oh, they'll never get over that. They'll never conquer that. They'll never, they'll, they'll never win that battle. I just don't see it happening. Who are you, oh, great mountain? You might be a mountain. You might be great. But Jesus said, if I have the faith the size of a mustard seed, I can speak to the mountain and say, be thou cast into the sea. And it's and it's gone. And she, oh, I want to dance. You're going to become a flat plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace. 
grace to it. Hallelujah. Grace. Say grace. Shout it. Grace. Say it again. Grace. Why do we shout grace? Because it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my anointing. It's by grace. Oh, my God, my God. Why does he say it twice? You know, one of the reasons the Bible says it twice is because in, in Hebrew, there are no exclamation points. There are no periods even. <laughs> There's nothing. So the, only, the way the Bible puts exclamations on things, besides it being a, a term of agreement, twos, right, where two or three are gathered, Instead of exclamation points in the Hebrew, they just say it twice. Grace. Grace. Grace is unmerited favor. How am I going to get over this? Grace. How am I going to win this battle? Grace. How am I going to get through this? Grace. Oh, my God, he's in this house. Grace. Grace. Undeserved. I love this. Let me close with this. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Watch it. Hold that voice. Hold hold that verse. If you're not careful, you will misread this verse. I will lift up my eyes to the hill. That is not saying your help comes from the hills. What the psalmist is saying there is, you know, you got all these mountains and hills around Jerusalem, and on every high place, when uh, like when Ahab was in charge and Jezebel and, and uh, some of the other kings that weren't godly, on every high place, please listen to me, on every high place, they would put one of their pagan altars on every hill, on every hilltop. So anytime someone looked up, the first thing they saw were those pagans, pagan altars. They're sacrificing up there. They're doing all kinds of sexual immorality up there, all kinds of stuff. Some, some of us are looking at stuff that's not really going to help us. Watch this. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Here's the question. But where does my help come from? When you're looking at those high places, please listen to the word I'm about to give you. Lift your eyes just a little higher. Just go above all the obstacles. Look above all the false helps. Uh, Your help's not going to come from some of the places you think it'll come from. Amen. Just look a little bit higher. Look above those altars. Look above those other places. Look above where you think other people say, you need this and you need that. No, 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 no. Shout grace and look a little higher. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Listen, who made the hills? He made the mountains. My help comes from the Lord. Stand to your feet. Give him a praise. Give him a shout. Shout grace.